Have you ever given or received a life-changing Christmas gift? I got some fun things like a Lego house from the movie Up and a deck of Wesley Brothers playing cards that teach the history of Methodism. My final gift, though, was a white envelope simply labeled Dad. It was from my youngest son, Paul. It was there on our Christmas tree, and it let me know about something that he was going to do in my honor. It was one of the best gifts I've ever received. When Gail Nelson bought her husband Larry golf clubs as a Christmas gift in 1969, she had no idea it would change their lives. It wasn't even a full set of clubs, just four irons and two woods. Larry Nelson had recently returned from serving as an infantry leader in Vietnam, and although Larry had been a three-sport athlete in high school, none of those three was golf. Nelson said, I didn't know anything about golf. I played a lot of pool, so maybe she was trying to get me out of the pool hall. He said, I was planning to finish my degree at Georgia Tech to be a chemical engineer, but instead, Larry Nelson fell in love with golf. He got a job in a pro shop, and within months, he was breaking par. He joined the PGA Tour after playing in only one 72-hole tournament, won 10 PGA Tour events, and won three major championships, all the while impressing his peers with his humility. He famously said this, There's not much pressure on the golf tour. Walking to the first tee is no way comparable to walking through the jungle in combat. Last April, Larry was honored by Jack Nicklaus's memorial tournament. We have the gift of hosting Larry and Gail here for dinner on January 18th, and I hope you'll join us for this evening of conversation with them. Gail said it's just God's blessing and a lot of hard work, certainly, that they've made it this far. Those clubs she bought her husband more than 50 years ago weren't just any clubs. They were Jack Nicklaus brand. You never know the full impact of a gift. Calissa and Kathy got to baptize an eight-year-old girl that asked to be baptized on Christmas Eve. Garrett baptized a whole family last week and will baptize another young woman this Sunday. We had 52 baptisms in our church this past year. Baptism can be a life-changing gift that you can give to your child or a gift that you can receive by humbling yourself in this new year. If you've never taken the step to be unfrozen from what is holding you back, perhaps you're ready to start anew, escaping the storm inside yourself as we hear the story of Jesus' own baptism, the good news from Mark 1, 4 to 11. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from the heavens. You're my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. This is the good news from Mark. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may we be open to the waters of baptism that can change our lives. Help us to acknowledge your work in us. Amen. The headline read, 
Don't be frozen in fear, take the plunge. Now I've done some interesting fundraisers over the year like a flashlight 5K one cold evening in Lawrenceville, but in Virginia they do an event for Special Olympics called the Polar Plunge. 3,000 people of all ages run into the Atlantic Ocean on an afternoon in February. This is something you need no special skills for, just a willingness to jump in unafraid and face the cold. In fact, people all across the globe last week jumped into pools, lakes, rivers, and oceans to begin the new year with that cleansing, freezing plunge, a great way to start a new year. My late friend Glenn Etheridge was set to perform a baptism at Gainesville First United Methodist. Some pranksters at the church had filled the baptismal font with ice that morning. So as Glenn placed his hand into the font, the water was freezing and he froze for a moment, knowing a child would not respond well to the icy water. But he went through with the baptism and the baptism was still effective. For we believe baptism is something that God does, trusting the warmth of the Holy Spirit to unfreeze even the coldest of hearts. I've decided to model my new year on John the Baptist. Anyone care to join me? For John the Baptist spent time enjoying God's creation, living out in the wilderness. I plan to get outside more this year. He simplified his diet, eating locusts and wild honey. Now I'm not moving to bugs for lunch, but more natural and less processed foods. He simplified his clothing choices, just camel's hair and, le and a leather belt. I plan to put my gym clothes out the night before so I have one less excuse to stay in the cozy bed. He called people to more, inviting them to confess what was making them less than they were called to be and then giving them a chance to die to their old selves and rise to a new one. He knew his role and responsibility. It was to point to the Messiah and not to try to be the Messiah. And he shared good news, telling people Jesus is coming to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for a John the Baptist year that begins with confession and repentance, just like our communion service? Baptizing folks isn't always easy, as one little boy found out. He'd seen an immersion baptism at church, and the next morning he proceeded to try and baptize his three cats in their bathtub. The first kitten bore it very well, and so did the other young cat. But the old family cat just rebelled. The two of them struggled. The cat clawed him and got away. And with considerable effort, he caught the cat and tried again. The cat reacted worse than ever, clawed at him, spit and scratched his hands and face. Finally, after barely getting her splattered with water, he just dropped her on the floor in disgust and said, fine, be an atheist. In the United Methodist Church, you often see an infant sprinkled but we're willing to use other methods, including pouring and immersion. For us, the amount of water is not important as the state of one's heart. And so today we gather to remember our baptisms, or for those of us who were baptized as infants, to acknowledge our baptism. Some people ask, why do we baptize infants? Well, in the book of Acts, we find evidence of whole households being baptized based on the belief of just one person. We also believe that baptism, baptism is a gift from God that we can't earn at any age. And yet there was also a practical aspect of infant baptism. In the first and second century, if a child was born with any issues, parents could leave the child on the hillside to die. 
Even if they wanted a boy and got a girl, they could do so. But the early Christians thought that was a terrible idea. I hope you agree. So they went out and gathered up the unwanted children and made them part of their families by baptizing them into their households and saving their lives. If you've not yet been baptized, maybe you want baptized, maybe you want to consider starting new in the new year. Are you ready for a new direction to walk through love's open door, to let God tag you with the Holy Spirit and unfreeze you to live more fully? Please call me or email any of our clergy in the days ahead so we can talk about it, this joyful step in your journey of faith. I remember one guy from my first church who called me and said, Preacher, I need to see you down at the church. He was a fellow who marched to his own drummer. He wouldn't sing certain verses of hymns because he just didn't believe those words. He would skip words in the Apostles' Creed because he wasn't Catholic, not realizing that Catholic in the Apostles' Creed means universal. He took his faith very seriously. So when he called me and said, Preacher, I need to see you down at the church, I was a bit worried by the tone of his voice. What could he want? What might be wrong? I met him down at the church that night and he looked at me and said this, Preacher, I want to get baptized and join the church. Hallelujah, I thought. This is good news. What a relief. Not exactly what I expected from the tone of his call. But being a good Wesleyan, I had to ask a specific question. Jimmy, have you ever been baptized before? And he said, of course I've been baptized. When I was eight years old, I walked down the aisle of my grandfather's Baptist church. I gave my life to Jesus and I was baptized. And before I could say anything else and explain uh, some things, he went on. Then I married a woman who was a member of the Christian church. And in order to join the Christian church, I needed to get baptized again. So I got baptized and joined the Christian church. And before I could stop him, he said, then years later, I was at a Pentecostal holiness revival and I got slain in the spirit. And I went down to the altar to be baptized there. I was so new to ministry. I wasn't sure where to start. But the Holy Spirit interceded and gave me these words to say. I knew there was some risk involved as a young preacher, but they were laid on my heart. So I swallowed hard and said, Jimmy, maybe you don't need to be baptized again. Maybe you just need to change your life. Getting baptized is like asking God to redo, getting rebaptized is like asking God to redo God's part. Maybe it's time you redid your part. I waited for his response. He told me he had to think about it and pray about it. Jimmy never did ask me to be baptized, to be rebaptized. Instead, he got involved in a disciple Bible study. And then he started serving in various ways in the life of the church. The next time he called, he said, Preacher, I need to see you down at the church. And it was to discuss his call to ministry. And he is a United Methodist minister today. He took his faith seriously. But I have to believe not getting baptized that fourth time was a turning point. Are you at a turning point in your life? Do you need to be? Is there something in this new year that you need to turn away from in order to turn back to God? For this is what John has to say to us. Confess. Repent get baptized for the first time or remember your baptism and start to more fully allow God to change your life. 
Acknowledge the work God started in your baptism and return your life in that direction. Jesus leaves his hometown of Nazareth and is ready to go public. Jesus finds his cousin John out in the wilderness, baptizing and calling people to confess and to turn their lives around. So Jesus humbles himself to show us an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. I get to say that every time we baptize someone, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace, through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs to life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are marked as Christian disciples and initiated in the fellowship of Christ's holy church. They're welcomed, they're included. John tells us that he baptizes with water, but Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus goes under the water, he comes back up. At the same time, the heavens are ripped apart and there Jesus hears a voice from heaven. Words we all long to hear. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. You are my daughter. You are my child, claimed in baptism, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but I would love to hear those words from my father just one more time. You are my beloved, with you I am well pleased. Baptism is a reminder of who we are. Too often we begin to take our identity from scripts that are not the Lord's. We listen to what an authority figure may have said one time out of anger and we take that into our identity. Or we listen to others who say hurtful things to us and we begin to say those things to ourselves. I love how Anna asks Elsa in Frozen 2, when are you going to see yourself the way I see you? God is asking the same thing. When are you going to see yourself the way I see you? The message of Jesus' baptism is meant for each of us to hear, to choose God's identity for us, so that rather than the destructive scripts that sometimes cycle in our mind, God says this to each of us. For God has already spoken those words over you. You are my child, my beloved. With you, I am well pleased already. And there's nothing you can do for me to for me to stop loving you. At the beginning of the movie Frozen, Hans ends up plunging below the water, which in film is often a life-changing baptismal type moment. But for Hans, nothing really changed. Later in the movie, Anna and Hans sing together, love is an open door. Today, the door of God's love and grace is wide open for each of us. May we not be frozen in fear, but be unfrozen by the warmth of the Holy Spirit, welcoming us to the table and to remember our baptism. At the very end of Frozen, Anna proclaims, I like the open gates. And Elsa responds, we are never closing them again. Jesus has opened the gates for us all to walk through. In fact, Jesus himself is the gate, the door to a new day. The door to a new year is wide open. Will you take the plunge? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may you remember your baptism or take the first step toward being baptized. Amen.